here we are trying to make uh, sense if there's the Loch Ness Monster or not. Is it real or is it fantasy? We're going to do a full documentary. See what we can find out. More than a thousand eyewitnesses have seen it. Many taking photographs. And Many film. taking photographs. He's, descri he's describing Loch Ness Monster. They're in Loch Ness. Once in a while it sticks his neck out of the It could be a plesiosaur. It could be... Or just an eel. Well, we're going yeah, to find out. Yeah, could it? Fact or fake? A plesiosaur. And I don't know if it feed, can't feed on algae because it's too small for it. And, and there's very little fish life. So how in the world is this going to survive? Naked Science, the Loch Ness Monster. And that's what this documentary is about. The Loch Ness. Loch Ness, Scotland. 22 miles long. Wow. Almost a mile wide. And an incredible 754 feet deep. 700 feet Loch deep. Unbelievable. Word for lake. By volume, Loch Ness is the largest lake in the British Isles. Many believe the loch is a haven for aquatic dinosaurs. Lone survivors of the great dinosaur extinction 65 million years ago. Six, 65 million. Been any shortage the crustacean period where they had uh, the, the creatures. Or monsters they have people. Robert Badger. I'm going to talk to Robert Badger first. He was a diver and he saw it. He only saw it's dark down there. Further down you go, 754 feet or so. These are witnesses to the fact uh, that uh, Loch Ness does exist. Since the 1930s, there have been an average of 13 sightings a year. Of the Loch Ness. With countless photographs and films. It's supposed to have humps or and unexplained speeding wakes in the loch. Now, and they're going to try to de they're going to try and debunk it. Sheds new light on images of what is, yeah, what is it? That was a small photograph from 1934. They say it was a hoax. This picture from a quarter of a century later. From the 1960s. They're saying that the was a uh, man in a boat. Many of the reported sightings. Taken from and cameras a mile away. Where no cameras have gone before. They're going to take cameras and put Naked them uh, all the way to, to the bottom, out. 700 feet down. What is really going on in the depths of Loch Ness? And they're saying that there's nothing to worry about down there as far as dinosaurs in the, um, monster. Mon or monsters in the... Five sixty-five A.D. A monk. The missionary Saint Columba supposedly confronted a monster that attacked one of his followers in the loch. He cried out, "Thou shalt go no further, nor touch the man. Go back with go all back speed." Go back with all speed and go fled from the scene. Can you believe that? He, this he, expert, Miranda Oldhouse Green, believes a real incident. This is Miranda, Miranda Oldhouse Green. Kind of grounding in reality. So these early Christian writers were probably seizing a University of Wales, Newport, uh, uh, 
You ride on Loch Ness, it's like riding on an ocean. That's how big it is. Like like probably one of our bigger than one of our lakes. You know, the Great Lakes. In the early nineteen thirties, there were a series of dramatic sightings. And then one guy took a picture and they're saying that was a fake wood or they can try to debunk it as a piece of wood with even today they have people that just full time do try to film Loch Ness as a as a spot because I guess he pair so rare. Thirteen sightings a year, that's not very many. George Spicer and his wife. And he's going to show you how this is a reenactment, but this is the film you'll see or hear, as I'll describe it to you. Thirty feet, thirty feet long. It was supposed to be big, big as a plesiosaur. Plesiosaur has fins forward and forward and backwards on their on their body. Because it was supposedly taken by respected surgeon Robert Wilson, coming from so professional a man with yeah. such unimpeachable credentials, the startling photograph had to be true. It this is kind of what this is. This as a documentary phenomenon. is about. It's about trying to disprove that it's it's fantasy. It's not fact. It but fact or fake, there's something in there. They creature. found they found Perhaps one the Nessie that was so a huge aquatic dinosaur that could reach up to thirty five feet, feet long. long. And it's not it's not carnivorous. Enthusiasts it's an of the legend now had what they believed was a rock solid piece of they fish. It was seen eating plants by recordings, according to people. Over the next fifty years. Other photos came to light. But that looks like it's 30 feet long. It doesn't look like it's a. Um, then in the early 1970s, a, an American Academy of Science expedition produced some specialist underwater photographs that shook the scientific establishment. That looked like a fin. First came the flipper, then a body and neck, and finally the gargoyle. Many believers were won over by these images. Despite they're saying they, they're saying they look like Science sonar picked it up. Before rewriting the history books. 1973. This guy's a skeptic. Definitely a skeptic. Has spent 30 years trying to find rational explanations for the monster sightings. He went back to basics by posing simple scientific questions about the biology and environment of Loch Ness. Was there enough food in the lock in terms of fish as a, to support? As that? a commentary, it seems like there's something in there because it's spotted so many, so many times, but rare. But people have, you know, they can't explain some of the pictures and some of the pictures they can. If you listen to the, the, the narrator, which I'm narrating him too. Zooplankton. Zooplankton, that's the most powerful in the. A monster brood hiding out in the lock. Would need plenty of zooplankton to support. Well, unless it unless it feeds like a whale, plankton, the biggest thing in the world, feeds on the smallest things in the world. Well, like I said, you said it's 22 miles long. It could be anywhere. The water offers a simple method of estimating the extent of the food chain. 
David Martin, freshwater zoologist, uses a white plate, known as a seshi disc, to test how far light penetrates into the water. It, it goes it goes far as it, it's pretty it pretty up. dense down there. Talking no more than one, two, three meters, nine feet. Nine feet. Nine yeah, we're the only ones that don't use the metric system. Suspended feet miles washed into the lock from surrounding rivers prevents light from penetrating more deeply. Green algae, the bottom rung of the food chain, do not like I was saying, the biggest thing in the world gets fed, feeds on the littlest things in the world. Algae. Little food for the microscopic zooplankton to eat. This in turn means less food for small fish and thus less food for any large predators. I thought they were omnivores. The only one of its kind. Well, there's the champ in New York, in Okapoko, in Canada. Okapoko monster, they're, they're supposed to be plesiosaurs. No more than 17 to 24 tons of fish live in the loch. That's surprisingly few for a lake this size. And probably only just enough to keep around 10 500 pound creatures alive. No plesiosaur. Plesiosaur expert Richard Forrest believes that would be too few animals to sustain a breeding colony. 30 to 40 would be. Well, they the found they found what they thought was a. Plesiosaur that died, or a Nessie that died. Plesiosaurs breathe through their mouths and would need to surface in the loch every few hours. And they're breathing animal living in Loch Ness who would be coming up to the surface all the time. And if there was a population of plesiosaurs there, you would go there any day. And if you watch the loch, you'd see many sightings. Why, why do they have these sightings then? I mean. But coming up for air doesn't mean they can thrust their heads and necks high out of the water. As reported by some witnesses, the bones of the neck interlock, and there are tall spines on top of them. So the, the yeah, this thing if it was out of place, like a <laughs> you ain't got a chiropractor. The case for Nessie being a plesiosaur looks very shaky. But then what it could be an eel. I think you could wrong. probably prove it's in a six-foot long ear that. that some other species, it's indigenous to the uh, lock. A freak gigantic fish, or a large, undiscovered, monstrous reptile in the lock. There's only one place to uncover the truth. Naked science dives deep into the murky, mysterious waters with a camera. Look how murky it is. So camera has ever gone before, down to the very bottom, to Nessie's lair. Nessie's lair. Gotta see what twenty-two miles There's long, one mile wide. That's that's a that's like all the lakes all together. Just about prehistoric creatures just don't pop up unexpectedly, or so the experts thought. They, they thought until the day in 1938, until this guy, South fisherman caught a monster so, silicon. Silicon. They thought silicon was for eighty million years. Eighty million years. They thought. See, and they, they caught one live. Fish, which swam in our oceans 360 million years 360, ago. 360, not 80 million. so old, it could be related to the first creatures that walked on land. Its pectoral and pelvic fins 
even have arm and leg-like movements. The Natural History Museum in London preserves a large number of fish species. Curator Oliver Crimmen looks after this exotic collection. They got it in formaldehyde, so it doesn't um, decay. Deep sea dive. It's a poor candidate to be the Loch Ness monster, but its discovery gave heart to monster hunters. It was proof that supposedly creatures can occasionally prove science wrong. Hopefully, Loch they'll preserve Coelacanth if, if they ever find one again. The ocean that hit the Coelacanth, but the black peaty waters hindered any investigation by divers black during the peaty early water. years. Oh yeah. Monster hunters had to be content with film and photography from above the That's surface. That's Well, it, it rises. Changed all of that. And that's Sound where they caught the. That's where they caught the fin, the long world. neck, the gargoyle type face. As you can see, we don't have many fish. This is typical. Surely, there are some unknown giant creatures hiding in the loch. I don't see how eel survives either if it doesn't have much but food. Sonar does have limitations. And all these sightings, 13 a year short. since like since the beginning of time. Only creatures crossing the beam would be visible. With they have a crew going way out in the water. Feet of water to search, the task is daunting. But that hasn't stopped many sonar expeditions trying to solve the mystery. The biggest was Operation Deep Scan in 1987. It deployed boats across the entire width of the loch. Each boat was fitted with sonar to give them the most comprehensive sonar sweep ever conducted on the loch. 22 miles they, they had to cover. An exciting One mile across. Which made headline news. A team of scientists said tonight they'd made sonar contact with a large unidentified object. They described this is, I guess, in London, England, because it sounds like a Brit. Urged on by their find, Operation Deep Scan returned to the same spot. Could they at last have found real evidence? They rescanned we'll the area, but eventually discovered that the reading came from debris on the floor of the loft. Wow. Their hopes were all They were bad. diminished, yeah. Although three large sonar images remained unexplained. Adrian Shine, the leader of Deep Scan, is still a skeptic. We've wondered whether they could have been... Try to move ahead here a little bit. It's impossible that creatures could have entered from the ocean during a flood. And there, I guess there is a way the that they way come back. He's at the other end of the loch, up the wide but shallow River Ness. That's the way that salmon, the river, the occasional seal, and some more unusual creatures make their way up. The loch these days. In 1932, 1932. Miss McDonald saw a crocodile-like creature swimming in the river. It had a short neck, long snout, and possibly even tusks. Tusks? Her sighting led naturalist Adrian Shine to, to prove or disprove an astonishing it. solution for the mystery. Like you said, an eel. He suggested the monster could be 
this mammoth 10-foot-long creature. Adrian Shine, a well-known Loch Ness investigator, believes some of the monster sightings may have been an enormous fish. <laughs> He's in the raft. All you see is his big, Oliver big Krimen, teeth. Take him under. Fish expert at Jaws, dun, 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 dun. Museum, has a giant sturgeon. Here's the head of a very large sturgeon. To give you an idea of the proportions. That's big. This one would have been over ten. That could long. be. You can't deny that. For a Loch Ness monster, I think the sturgeon is probably the best. An occasional visitor to the UK. A monstrous fish with a corrugated dorsal profile has these bony plates and many sightings cite some sort of. You know, that'd, that'd, that'd be convincing to a lot of people. What about the flippers? How do sometimes travel along Scotland's coast? In 1871, a huge sturgeon was caught by a fisherman near the entrance to the River Ness. How big is this? But Shine now believes. That these monster fish are not the total answer. Sturgeons are slow swimming fish. Right. They don't have pumps. They stick Some of these guys just make a living out of this. They sit, they sit along and they observe. Explanations for They're hoping for a, a view of the real Loch Ness. Monster. Of the surrounding steep hills and the dark lake waters can all too easily create monster like shapes. And yet, there is one film of a wake on the loch that has confounded skeptics for over Oh, that one years. where you can see white water. The so called Dinsdale film, named after the man who took it, is still regarded by some as the best film evidence of a prehistoric monster in the loch. And they're trying to say that's a boat, or they will say it's trying. It's a boat. I kind of believe, and I don't want you to disbelieve or believe fact or fantasy. I don't try to shove it down your throat, but I think there is a Loch Ness. They're they're few and far between, but I'm pretty sure that there's something in there. Too many people filmed it, and too many people try to debunk it. This is Dinsdale. Dinsdale captured its speeding wake on his movie camera. This short he was flying. Became a compelling part of the Loch Ness legend. It was considered so puzzling. I'm saying it's a boat. I don't believe it. Air Reconnaissance Intelligence Center. Photographic um, implementation report of Loch Ness of Nessie. That's that's Ness, Nessie's the um, words, nickname for Loch Ness Monster. The report from such an It does not look like a boat. Ensures a Dinsdale film, a place in Loch Ness mythology. But there is a puzzle surrounding the film. A minute white spot appears on the picture. This guy, this guy's a, a skeptic. On the original celluloid he film. tries. Perhaps Could a be a head. Grain of dust. 
film was developed. The skeptics, like the Loch Ness Project, who first Loch identified Ness the spot, there was none. Claim the footage is not evidence of a monster. Loch Ness monster is a mythical animal that allegedly lives in Loch Ness, uh, a large freshwater lake near. Um, Interver in, in Ness, Scotland. Excuse me for that one. Although accounts of aquatic beasts living in the lake um, dated back to 1500, 1500 years ago, not just 1500. Um, all efforts to uh, make credible that uh, the evidence that the animal does exist uh, that isn't the dampen in the public's uh, enthusiasm on however uh, any news about Loch Ness monster is not subject to fact or faith. Jackie Pastel examines them through a stereoscopic device that merges two frames together. Wow. If the tiny white speck is a fault in the film grain, it will appear in only one of the frames. We made many copies of this. component of the object speeding through the lock, it should show up on both frames. And that would make it stand out from the background in a 3D effect created within the stereoscopic I think, I think it's this light legitimate because the, the neck is long. Four decades after this film first caused a sensation, computer analysis finally proves that the white fleck cannot be a film fault. And it's a hump. It's a hump of one of the uh, Loch Ness monsters' uh, spine. This leads me to the, the opinion that I'm looking at something that is actually there all the time. And the only thing that would be there all the time would be a helmsman. It would be the person actually steering this small boat across the lock. Oh, this guy's a skeptic. He don't so believe. After 40 years, so they think it's a helmsman on a boat. In the original analysis changed his mind. It's my opinion that the object is inanimate and in fact is much more consistent with the shape of a boat uh, than perhaps it is of the Loch Ness <laughs> That's the guy in 35 Dinsdale. The second piece of film, this time of a boat as a comparison, which can be clearly seen here. Yeah, it's making waves, and the, the monster wasn't making waves. I put my hand on my heart and say 100% whether it's uh, a creature, a natural object, uh, or a boat being driven away from it. I could not do that. I can't believe. In my opinion. My opinion is simply that it has the appearance of a small boat being driven from one side of the lot to the other in the far. There's something sticking out, and I think it's one of the humps. So, skeptics here, they think it's. New studies are uncovering the truth of eels or. These humps. And the real story behind the most famous of all images of the Loch Ness Monster the surgeon's photo. Was it real? Was it fake? Modern day investigations are at last uncovering the real stories behind two of the most famous pictures of the Loch Ness Monster. Dick Rayner is one of the Loch Ness amateur detectives 
seeking the truth about the legend. Sonar, radar, radar was just photographs, automatic photos. And your beam swims across the uh, beam. The Loch Ness Investigation Bureau. Could be For years, Rayner believed he had caught the monster on film. This footage apparently shows it powering through the waters of the loch. But Another one of Another 14 bump. years later, when he saw a similar wake on the water. Because it was only a hundred yards away, that it was actually a family of mergansers with a mother bird and seven or eight chicks running along the surface and then slowing down. Yeah, but how long? Ducks shattered Dick's faith in the legend. He decided to prove that many so called sightings are nothing more than the activities of local birds, animals, or boats. This telling bit of footage from Rayner's archive. Shows what looks birds. to be a long humped back leading to a head that, and neck. Now that looks like birds. But give it a few seconds and you realize it's a flock of birds on the line. Determined to find out the truth, Rayner has spent 20 years examining some of the All these guys are gray-haired and when they take One their picture they were young. This photograph of two large humps in the water. Now how can Bank that be? Peter where, where did it come from? this picture near Urca Castle in 1955. He's still alive. Oh, that's him, Dick Rayner. He's an investigator for um, the Loch Ness. When I join them up, I see that they, these lines are actually converging on a point, and that made me wonder if these could be the waves left behind a boat. Could be. So he. So these guys are debunking that they're uh, from this viewpoint. Seeing their boats, they're seeing their eels, anything but a monster. They're saying it's fake. That's that's the big big idea I get out of this um, this documentary. Our wake bears a remarkable resemblance to the humps of a creature on the loch. The famous 1955 McNabb photograph may merely be the wake of a boat long gone from the picture. Yeah, where's it at? You can make wakes that that big wake is a wave. Modern images of the monster in the loch. In 2000, Bobby Pollock, a postman from Scotland, was walking on a hill high above the loch when he saw something move hundreds of yards below in the water. His video camera captured a small black object moving around. Yes, yeah, keeps water. keeps shaking it very nervously. Could be anything. Pollock enjoyed a brief spell of fame after his video clip was widely shown on TV. But when Rayner analyzed Scottish and British detail, TV, he found what he believes is a vital clue. On the right side of the photo are what appears to be two canoes on the shore of the loch. Could the mystery object simply be one of the canoeists swimming, perhaps wearing a black wetsuit? One thing that makes could be. Some of the uh, bits of the film, as if someone's swimming along on their back. But one picture that's always been hard to explain away at the very heart of the myth the so called surgeon's photo. Surgeon's photo, that's surgeon's the, the 30, 1935, around that time. They say it was a board with. Um, it's instantaneously recognizable, but it, there was 
Loch Ness uh, neck sticking out of the water. In the 1930s, Surgeon's photograph the of uh, the monster, Loch, Loch Ness side, an enlargement proves that that could be him. Yet the true story of the picture is one of greed and deceit, and a desire for revenge. In 1933, the seeds of deceit were sown when an English newspaper hired self-styled big-game hunter Marmaduke Wetherill to hunt down Loch Ness, the which is located in Scotland Highlands, days, has the uh, largest volume of fresh water in, uh, in Great Britain. The, the body of water uh, reaches a depth of 800 feet and a length of 23 miles wide. The Daily Mail newspaper announced his triumph to the world. And late in 1933, casts of the footprints were sent to London's Natural History Museum for examination. Scholars of the Loch Ness Monster. Just a week later, however, uh, the museum produced a team his, uh, they could find name no to be Nessie, which is supposed to be a plesiosaur. It looks like a plesiosaur. A hippopotamus. A hippopotamus. Come on, man. Wetherill had tried to fool the world by creating footprints with a silver hippo foot ashtray, a souvenir from his hunting days. Disgraced and bent on revenge. Oh, what, what about Wetherill his foot? Loch with a model of a monster. About his footprint. Made from a toy submarine with a plastic dinosaur's head and neck, it was the handiwork of his stepson, Christian Sperling. He found up these son. Said, okay, if they want their monster, I'll give them their monster. Wetherill didn't just photograph the model on Loch Ness. He went a step further. His hippo foot hoax had ensured that nobody would believe him if he produced the new picture. So he persuaded Robert Wilson, a respected London-based surgeon, Going on to join 30 minutes in his documentary. Wilson and they still haven't proved it, disproved it. By to pretend to the press skepticizing it. he had taken the picture. The hoax was a runaway success, and the surgeon's photo was accepted as proof that Nessie existed. Amazingly, the real story remained a secret for 50 years. The Oop, true story we're running of out here. Was known by small pockets of people. So we'll have to um, move ahead. But it never the wider general public domain. Cook turns directed for a monster. Uh, them and their one monster. way of testing that theory is to drag a log through the water on the end of a rope. Plug this in. Many sightings mention humps, while others talk of heads and necks. For this test, Adrian Shine picks a log at random. Mm, in the right now they're trying to say it's a log. And with a chop on the water. It Our has this monster is revealed in all its glory. A log drifting on the water. It has a Many modern long neck. sightings may well be the result of animals swimming, boat wakes, large fish, or logs. Yet the legend has persisted for year after year. Yeah, why is it the guys actually filmed it? Guys Dr. have actually... Italian specialist in Mediterranean geology has developed another theory to explain some of the older sightings on the loch. He thinks they could have come from a more unusual source. Earthquakes. Oh my. Earthquakes. Picardy believes 
heals prayers that, that makes the demon go away when when the monk in fifteen hundred Picardy is currently investigating ancient Greek temples. He thinks that there is more to ancient mythology, Greek, Scottish, or otherwise, than meets the eye. You find that many of the effects described in mythology can be related to real effects during strong earthquakes. They're saying from Picardy Earth, believes his theories are not just applicable to ancient Mediterranean tectonic, sites. Uh, plates that, they can also be linked that are all over the Earth. Legends. They're saying that creates waves in the that an earthquake in 1991 in Guatemala offers evidence to back up his theory scientists seeking evidence yeah but it's going in every different direction ladies and gentlemen I believe I'm the host chief I believe that there is a Loch Ness they can't produce logs and they can't 100% prove that there isn't Life like Loch Ness in them, like Nessie, if you want to use the, the term. I believe that there is a Loch Ness or something. Created by the collisions of continents that formed Scotland 400 million years ago. 400 million. Used to be part of northern France, I think, 500 million However, years ago. The only record when of when the water, water just, or the ice age just tore in. Was rocked by a major earthquake. That quake was centered in Lisbon, Portugal, more than a thousand miles away. Tectonic plates. Roger Musson, birds, mammals, See, this is and large fish. I want to hit too far. Let me back up a little bit. Just 10 miles away. He plans a detailed seismic survey in search of seismic survey. There, he's convinced that an earthquake had uh, established that many sightings on the lock can be explained by natural phenomena. Yeah, we have discovered that waves, birds, mammals such as seals, and large fish such as the Baltic sturgeon help prolong the myth. Underwater satias could have made debris, such as logs, appear to be mysterious, large-humped creatures. No bones or carcasses have ever, have been, ever found. been found. There seems to be an overwhelming case that Nessie is merely a myth, a legend kept alive by people anxious to believe that mysteries exist within our natural How about world. that phone, a sonar photo of a plesiosaur? How do you disprove that or debunk that? They didn't try to debunk that one. They tried to, they'd done everything in the world to debunk logs, birds, sturgeons, eels, whatever. But they can't debunk that picture of a, what's the sonar? Fact or fake? Thank you for joining us. Um, Hopefully, um, Anchor FM will uh, take this recording and, and try to get it on radio so we, you know, other people can enjoy this documentary. Until we meet again, sleep tight. Welcome to uh, 
Expedition Unknown with uh, Josh Gates. I'm your host, Keith Frischkorn. We're uh, uh, going to try to find a dirty sheriff's uh, gold in Bannock, Bannock Montana. Uh, Josh Gates sets off uh, for gold uh, in the country to search for lost fortune and notorious sheriff. During his investigation, Josh uh, um, exposes a hidden notorious the notorious sheriff's mind um, by blowing it out with uh, two miners that uh, uh, had laid claim to it and it sealed it was silver century and he found he found like a hundred bucks of gold but you know he found gold yeah modern day bandits but it was led by a sheriff his name is he's also a mine owner and gangs get worse. Some begin to they hang him. He's the ringleader of the vigilantes and stuff. They wanted, they wanted him killed. And they, they arrest him. Hear what he said? Yeah, dragged him to the gallows, killed him. And they killed him anyways. <laughs> Turn to Horace with gold. Killed him, hung him, hung him in the middle of the street. Plumber hangs. Ever since, stories of plumbers hidden stash, stash of gold, gold. The hills of southwestern him Montana. and his uh, finally, his gang in the case. all over the all over the place near Bannock, uh, Montana. Along along the lakes. Where is it? Where is the fortune? Uh, Josh Gates is going to try to find out. And that's what we're going to do here with uh, uh, Expedition Unknown. He's going to describe himself. His name is Josh Gates. Here we out in the Big West. Like I was saying before, uh, John Wayne, when he wanted to do a movie or when the production company couldn't find a location, John Wayne owned so much land in Montana and he built a town near his, his, his uh, vacation home up there because people from the stars, they're... They have houses up there that are miles and miles apart. They had gold, silver, you know, anything that was in the mountains, anywhere from copper and any, any kind of metal. Sometimes kill them dead right there. A sheriff. How about that? A sheriff, dishonest sheriff who had a gang. You know, no wonder no one would stop them. He start out in Virginia City, Montana. So well, he'll he'll conduct his investigation to start. On the year 
1963, gold was discovered in the stream bed near here. Turned out to be the largest gold strike in Montana territory, and seemingly overnight, thousands of people from around the world came here. Today, Virginia City is only home to about 120 people. Uh, 120 people. Alive, what was once one of the wildest towns in the West. 120 people. Wow. Along the main street of town, people are living and working much as they did over a century ago. In the well-preserved Gypsy Arcade, the old-fashioned player piano offers up a tune. The old-fashioned old old player piano. It had a. You can still watch the 19th century. Adult content. On yeah. A woman, a woman from the 1900s stripping, and they have a scene of a stagecoach robbery. Where it was the flip, flip cards, but it's the it's the 18s 1800s version of YouTube. <laughs> yes, you can be sheriff, or you can be brothel inspector. That'd be nice. Not saying which is a better it all depends on what your law is. If you want to be a lawman, be a lawman. Be a, something having to do with the sex. Because in Nevada, it's uh, it's legal to be a prostitute, but I guess you have to have you have to do uh, physicals and stuff like that. So you don't spread germs. Gay and K Rosewell. You're twins. She ladies fifty nine. The older one. I'm here in town because I'm investigating the story of Plumber's Gold. Listen to Josh for a second. Well, we thought he was a, a dirty sheriff who was stealing the gold from all the stagecoaches. Yeah, he's he's so so he's the bad guy through and through. Absolutely. Henry Plumber comes from California, where he killed two men and briefly served time in San Quentin before being San Quentin. Wow, on, on, on the western coast. He went north to Montana. He got himself elected sheriff. Bannock. I've seen I've seen Bannock in another um, in another uh, program of ghost ad ghost adventures with Zach Bagan and the Ghost Adventure crew. Josh Gates, he's a world traveler and. And he, in this in this version of uh, his show, he he goes around trying to find gold, uh, try to give you more history than you know, than, uh, paranormal. But this is you know, it's more of an action. But it, it's it's nice to to, to, uh, to you know make the uh, make the trip worth uh, going to Bannock, eighty miles, eighty miles from Virginia City to Bannock. The speed limit on a 95 miles an hour. <laughs> you can go 95 miles an hour. Trucks, 75. During bang. There's swankiest town. Ghost town. Tumbleweed, the whole nine yards. <laughs> That's something else. A well-preserved uh, ghost town. They probably used it in westerns because it looks like the kind of place they they use for uh, western movies. Hello. In its heyday in the 1860s, Bannock was a rowdy and wealthy city. But times change, and today Bannock is more ghost than town. More ghost than town. Every step forward here, good old ghost towns. Into the past, I peer into the old buildings, many of which are perfectly preserved. 
the town hotel seems ready to receive guests, and the silent church waits patiently for a congregation. Exactly. But I'm most interested in the old jail, where Henry Plummer ruled as sheriff. He had gangs, actually. Yeah, is that crazy? Legend says he can look up at the location of the stolen treasure from the window of the jailhouse. And later, hmm. as a vigilante gang drags Plummer to the town gallows, he claims... Okay, that I guess he had hidden gold that he wouldn't tell the vigilantes, or he thought that the vigilantes were uh, part of the law and they hung him for... Until now. I grab my finest Montana headgear from the town and meet a guy named Darren Wedding by the old jail. Are you Darren? Yeah, I'm Darren. Nice to meet you, man. Darren is a treasure hunter who aims to put the plumber legend to the test. Literally. They, so the question is, they, they, they went into caves and, and everything so else to try to prove that... Uh, okay, which means he can't ride more than an hour there and an hour back. Right, maximum, maximum. Okay, so basically... A 20 mile... Yeah, search grid. Yeah, yeah, yeah 20 miles around Bannock. Really There's so much... Various historic sources claim that Plummer likely hid the gold underground, either in a mine shaft. Yeah, that's when you say a mine shaft or, or something. Something where it's, it's probably never going to be found. It's still, still to this day, 150 years later, later, he's nothing. Nobody's found him. I don't know how he got a wind of this to to televise it, but um, yeah, he's uh, they're they're going to try a 20 mile round bannock. Which means um, that for the next 60 minutes, the grid. So he's gonna go go to a certain point to start, and I guess it's uh, they're gonna rappel down into a cave. Montana, nobody. It's it's no man's land there. No man's land. There's a lot of nothing. You, you can. Trump. Okay, where are we? Let's find out. I got a GPS here. Almost exactly 10 miles out of bed. From the gallows, wow, they had a hard miles, ride all the way up 10 miles on a horse. They, the tell me a horse wasn't created for, okay, so where for this. this you, you wonder why life after death and so creation of life and everything else like that. Just a personal uh, really thing. A horse just made for Amanda, you know. Right on. That's something amazing. Our 20-mile diameter search area is further narrowed by areas that Plummer could have seen from the jailhouse. So we tie up the horses and head out on foot. Any signs of mines or caves? It's like a whole different world up here, though. Yeah, it is. Yeah, trees. Like I was telling somebody before. Pennsylvania, where I live in, Pittsburgh, PA, it's 60% of uh, the state is still covered with uh, forestry. They're looking, they're looking, lots. They thought 20 miles was simple. I got so excited at first when we said, oh, it's only a 20 mile diameter. We search for hours in the afternoon light, but the mountain isn't giving up any secrets. It's a hole in the ground. They're gonna propel down into the um, cave. We'll find, I think, somebody's um, name. I think it has. I think it was. It was fake because Plummer Plummer um, died in 1863. 
name on the cave wall said the year said 1859 or 18 should I say 1865 and he died two years before and that would make you to to lead people people were still searching there must be the the legend must be pretty much a plumber's gold Fearless. The cave, the ca the cave could could uh, fall on them at any time. We have to move ahead here a little bit. They found a bullet from from the Indian Wars. Rob Towner, he's a modern-day uh, gold miner. Talking about the Dakota Lode mine. And Plummer, Plummer may have uh, been in charge of the Dakota Lode. Right here, right here, worth about how much? He had he had so much uh, you know in the closet with the with you know the gangs robbing stagecoaches, uh, being a mine uh, owner, being a mine uh, overseer. He finally killed him for it. They're going to explode this mine shaft and reopen it after 150 years, like I, like I described earlier. Josh uh, explores, you know, a hidden cave, you know, system that uh, kind of blows after the mine, you know, got blown up. So 150, 150 years. Can you imagine me? He found $100 worth of gold. It's a, it's a pebble. It's a pebble with a gold gold vein in it, and it's worth a hundred hundred bucks. And you're saying all of this is inside the hill? It's inside the hill. And we're going to get inside there and find out if this is for real or not. I mean, you literally have a treasure map. We have a treasure map. How do we get to it? Well, that's what we got a lobby here for. We're going to do some probing here. All right. They got some nitro and some dynamite. Thunder and lightning. Put a charge in there and try to get some of this overburden out of the way. And when you say charge, you mean an explosive? Absolutely. Mining explosive. You didn't tell me we were going to move ahead here. Oh, I can't tell you everything. Let's <laughs> move ahead. There we go. Now they're using a backhoe to dig into after they blew out the hillside. Will they find it? Who knows? We're going to find out. Well, there's a crack. This 
guy swears like a sailor. Holy F, Jeller. <laughs> There you go. In a hundred years, it's never been open. There it is. They found machinery will do that for you. Can you imagine miners using their backs to open that mine and dig dig the hole hundreds of yards back in a vein off of each each uh, each um, mine shaft? As soon as we've checked to make sure the opening will hold, Rob and I venture into the mine. It's all it's rock, it's solid rock, but usually when they put uh, back in them days they put timbers every so much. You're seeing a place that nobody has laid eyes on for a century. For a century, and there's feeling of possibility and And there's like there's like old tracks, you know, because they had the old mine rails, you know, to ride the back, you know. So I don't know how many miles they go back. I was telling somebody about my my house. It was all undermined, but it was clay mines, and they they collapsed, cracking our house, and they had to destroy twenty other houses on the other side of our neighborhood. And uh, but yeah, uh, there was an air shaft that, as kids, it had a ton of concrete on. We've tried to move it with with logs and everything else. And, and a shaft that you could go like 10 feet into and then it, it's, you know, it's sealed off. It's called um, Blockhouse Run um, Mines. They, they used, again, the clay for bricks. Ooh, we had to see what they found here. They dug out something. They found something. Getting back to Exposition Unknown. This is Season 3, Episode 6. You can find this on the, on Daily Motion uh, on the Travel Channel under Josh Gates' uh, Exploration Unknown. Plumber's Gold. Josh, it is. That's gold? Yep. Found gold. That's gold. That's real gold. You just found some gold. Some real gold. Are you, I'm telling you, that's gold. That's it. Yeah. I quit. I quit the show. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed it. How much is this worth? 100 bucks. 100 bucks on a little pebble. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to still be hosting next week. I'll still be here. Well, no no sign of plumber's treasure down here. And I'm hosting here. Not, uh, My name's Keith Fishcorn. I'm coming no, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, this is uh, Paranormal Things. It's the name of my program. Uh, you can see me on Breaker and uh, Radio Republic and maybe some others in, in the future, near future, hopefully. Dylan Montana. Stop on my expedition. A historian has come forward with an explanation for why no one in the last 150 years has brought home the prize. To hear his solution to the plumber puzzle, I go to the nearby Beaverhead County Museum. Like Beaver County. I live in Beaver County. That's where I live. So far from being the righteous agents of justice, the vigilantes were seizing the property of their victims. 
making the line between them and the local bandits a blurry one indeed. They'd hang, they'd hang poor people just because of their their, their, their claims and, pl and plumbers' names on all of them. The documents show that Plummer signed over part of his lucrative stake in the local mine to one of his friends, or so he thought. Turned against him. Is a good friend he is. No. So he signs it over to one of the vigilantes, and then not too long after, the vigilantes hang Plummer. Right. In very suspicious timing. Yes, it is. By arresting Plummer, his supposed friend and the rest of the citizen vigilantes could have taken complete control of his holdings and hanged him without so much as a trial. They hang, they hang this is the incredible from... because it takes this story and turns it entirely on its head. I mean, it yeah, instead, instead of, of uh, does that mean, does that mean that he was an honest man, or he was so dirty that they, the vigilant crime, just decided to kill him? may have hanged as an innocent man. What was he, guilty or innocent? I'll leave it up to you to decide. There's a lot of gold taken out of the mines. Right. But it's not Henry Plummer's. So, not Henry Plummer's. Where so do they hide Plummer's this stuff Well, they're convinced because that's what all the books say. But unfortunately, history is told by those who survived, not right. those who were hanged. Dead men tell was no Henry tales. Was Plummer really innocent of the crimes for which he was hanged? Was his promise to return with his weight in gold the last act of a desperate but honorable man? never know for sure, but the many highway robberies around Bannock were real, and a fortune in gold was never recovered. And as He's I telling you, across the pages of Plummer's story, they, I've discovered what they vi visited in caves and old, old, uh, they found gold in uh, a mine that hadn't been looked at, looked in for 150 years. Stuff up. Fire in the hole. Boom. Helping to rediscover a lost tunnel to the past that's still lined with riches. Still having if, if they lay a claim for that, the they probably did, and they probably dig in gold today. Josh Gates, modern day explorer, just like Dr. Jones. Well, in closing, that, that's it. Uh, Exploration Unknown Season uh, 3, should I say, Episode 1. Um, Plumber's Gold, and that's what you heard the story of Josh Gates telling you. Until we meet again, sleep tight. Welcome to Paranormal Things. I'm your host, Keith, uh, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It's, um, Ghost Hunters, um, second season, uh, Episode 22, The Stanley Hotel. We're going to See if we can't um, narrate through this uh, in our investigation. Uh, yeah, of course, Stephen King uh, got the inspiration and used to write his book, The Shining. Yeah. We're going to do The Shining, yeah, yeah, um, the, um, the hotel that inspired The Shining from Stephen King. It's not busy up there, so they, they can do the investigation, you know, without a lot of people being around. If you remember the movie called The Shining, there was twin twin little girls, and the kids saw them. Um, the room got roughed up, and after she just cleaned it, she went back in, and it was all in disarray. 
I'll be here for you holding down the fort. See you we're on the road. This is Donna, Jason Hawes, and Grant Wilson. I'm driving in the Midwest again. I can't wait. Shining Hotel. Stephen King actually witnessed up there, and that's what inspired him to write it. I can't wait, to be honest with you. I've read about If you listen to what they're saying, it's just what I told you. Three separate buildings. Canada activity in all three. I love you. Check out this view, guys. Yeah, this is definitely God's place, you know? They're they're up in the mountains. Look at the size of the mountains. They're in the... Look at that, G. This daily hotel. The mountains in... In Colorado. It is. I know. I've seen a hotel like this up in, that looks just like it up in um, New Hampshire. This is Colorado, though. Let you turn up a little bit. He's going to describe what's going on with the um, Stanley Steamer. Stanley Steamer. Stanley Hotel. Get it? Stanley Steamer was. Um, it ran on water, steam. Moved the car, looked like a wagon. One of the first cars. He's saying that there was. They hear noises. There's nobody in there. <laughs> Look how it paging through pretty fast. Books start flying off the shelf. The most haunted Stanley Hotel. We got up here the last day the place was open for the season. Stephen King and his wife were the only ones in the hotel. That explains a lot. <laughs> Slams. There's a gas leak. This room blows up. Oh my God. The maid's name was Mrs. Wilson. Let's believe Mrs. Wilson is still with us in the hotel here. We've had guests walk into the bathroom. They were gone for about 45 minutes. They came back. Their clothes are put away in the dresser drawers and their bags are stacked. At the Always stacked. <laughs> Poltergeist, Poltergeist activity. They're going. Oh, okay. I thought the room with Mrs. Wilson was. I guess they were. That's where the twins probably came in at. In the Shining. When I used to be the night auditor, about once every two weeks, I would get a call from someone down here on the third floor. So the kids were playing. This is where Stephen King saw the ghost children. There's a little boy, usually seen with a little blonde girl. The closet's what's hot in it. A ghost picked up the ring. The door, the door open, and you'll see later on what happens in the investigation. Upstairs 
and I can see Kishana, her on the bed, just Fernando. Screaming, what a what a mix so of uh, uh, cultures, Hindu and, uh, and she's screaming, she's Spanish. Asking for help, she said that there was definitely an energy Some in the hotel, kind of hotel, and something was trying to take wild. over her. But Sandy was trying to help her. I would say she was like possessed. Leech kind of grabbed around her waist and, and started trying to fist, and with the she wasn't drunk or nothing. Hand, she comes her and sends his flag against each side of the hallway. The paramedics get up here and took her down to the hospital. There were no you guys up here to the third floor at a time. With she just finished cleaning the room. That table that they the just panned the camera in front of. At will uh, Grant Wilson was sitting there, and it actually lifted the up, and moved toward his legs. And the cameraman was there to witness, and he says that it was uh, moved by itself. Grant didn't do it. They had it on camera. She to ghost. Uh, experiences in here? What were they? I had four teenage girls up here who want to hear ghost stories. So I told them about the homeless lady. Well, they started to come, come up here in the sound. All the girls, they turned to me and said, What's that noise? And I said, I have no idea. You guys ready to leave now? I looked through the glass on the door. They were halfway up the hill already. So I'm not very fond of coming down here after dark. Well, thank you for doing it tonight. <laughs> so really, we're going to go back with Steve. Now Steve's they're going to set up. And uh, so the camera, see what we get? Okay. See what evidence they're going to get. They're in the main dining room. And they're staying there. Lisa Fallonsby, she was an investigator. Investigator Brian Harnaz. Being in this place and walking the halls, it gives you creepy feelings. It's all the right elements. This, this is a creepy building. It's old. It's old. It was built during the 1900s. Stanley Field Investigation, Saturday night at 9.30. They're setting up all the equipment in, in the. We can't cover all the places that we'd like to cover. It's definitely uh, demonic somehow. Stephen Gonzalez is describing what they got to do technology-wise. IR cameras, just hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment. What's up, guys? How's it going? Not too bad. We're done. Lights out. Okay. Lights out. All all the hotel lights out. It's so big they can't get everything. That's how that's how big this place is. Hundreds and hundreds of rooms. They got the flare out, which is which indicates that they can find hot or cold spots. Ooh, room that, that looks something. I guess that was furniture. I'd like to get one of them myself and do investigations with that. We're going to soon, you know, with uh, my show and stuff like that, we'll, we'll go to a cemetery and do commentary from there. Do a descriptive uh, ghost hunt. We'll try and get EVPs, which is electric voice phenomenon, and we'll uh, just try to get uh, evidence of a life after death. My grandmother, my great grandmother, my mother and dad are all in this cemetery. It's called St. Joe Cemetery. Hopefully, we'll be allowed back in 
as he got kicked down to there during a funeral, which was up on a hill. I was recording my show. This is Grant Wilson and Lisa. Is that supposed to be little kids playing in this room? And I think, you know, they're always like to talk to Pillow, The pillows are in disarray. I do. It, it's a red ball. Magic. They're seeing if the, the girl and the boy would uh, pick it up and start throwing it with each other. Show us what you can do. We heard that you like to play in here, so we wanted to see if you would play. We play in here a lot. 407, room 407. I think 1302 is what uh, Jason's going to sleep in. And he's going to catch her EVP, which you'll hear about. I'll describe to you later. Ball ain't moving. The Shining Hotel. That's that's what it is. This is Gonsalves and Brian. This is the infamous bed where she went ballistic. This is four twenty, four twelve. That's the room that exploded and Mr. Mrs. Wilson died. Hello. The gas, the gas leak. The door shook. I saw that. Maybe it's the bed. Maybe it's the bed again. Headboard against the wall. This is the paranormal. Bring you the paranormal things. Brings you the uh, ghosts, the electric, the uh, yetis, the uh, Loch Ness monster champ, which is an American version of the Loch Ness monster. The strange, the uh, macabre. Shakes the bed. Can you please shake the bed for us? That's Brian talking. Can you make they're noise? trying. They're trying to provoke the ghost to come out and actually talk. He'll. He could probably talk in the EVP player. You know, no. They, when they start analyzing Steve, the evidence, which they do no. after every every I'm investigation, they'll try to see if there's so something you know that they caught on uh, EVP. If they can't see what they've actually. Um, that was you. Shake the see. Again. You can actually see. Black shadow under the bed. Some shadow type figure did go across. I think I saw it against the wall under a window. Could have been something reflective. You never know. What there, what every paranormal uh, investigator tries to prove is life after death, and that's why they investigate all over the country. It's like a voice. We're going down there. Wilson. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, she Mrs. Like, Wilson, uh, yeah. Unpacks people's luggage, stuff like that. I think she's still coming around. She might be. She might be coming around. Mm -hmm. Can you please get the EVP player out working? They're on the fourth floor. 
You're still there. You're still there on the bed in Mrs. Wilson's uh, room where it exploded. And they, they also, I guess they're also going to go downstairs, I think, to see the homeless lady that died down there, froze to death. And hopefully, hopefully uh, she's in the life hereafter. Okay. Jason Hawes likes Brian. That's why he's still hanging in there. I guess something happened to where um, they um, fired him. But they brought him back when uh, they had a, a lot of, uh, lot of investigations that they can't make overseas. So they had they did another program or another group uh, called uh, Ghost Hunters International. GHI, and he was on that team for at least the first season. A glass fell on the floor here at this at this point of the uh, investigation. He Jason Hawes is sleeping. <laughs> Not sure what happened. The ghost knocked the off off the glass onto the floor and shattered. Closet closet door is open. Closet door is closed and it opened. This glass actually broke. I was probably looking for a wedding ring with something gold. And he said he never did see the wedding ring again. So the glasses and pieces are there. I'd watch it if he's in his bare feet, because he's in his bare feet. There, they pointed the camera toward the door. He's going back to sleep. See, they're staying a the night for the... This is the first night of investigation. Jason Hawes' room uh, at 5.48 in the morning. There's banging coming from the closet. So they're going to review the auto. He wa that's what he wants because he's the boss. He's probably he's telling Gonsalves, Brian, and Dave Tango. So how did everyone sleep? Right? Anybody have any experiences? What I did notice is uh, every time the wind shook, my bed shook. And then as soon as the wind died, I realized it stopped. So I think that's what people probably That's They debunked, I guess, loose screws. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Strangest part is a couple seconds later, the glass on my nightstand next to me shattered. Wow. Yeah. I didn't see it. I had my back turned. But I think we got when you, the, during the, during the, pieces, it's and then the rest of the you can hear it when he was asleep. You can hear the glass break on the floor, which is unbelievable. Again, I'm Keith. I'm bringing you uh, paranormal things, and the investigation for the second day is is underway. I'm actually going to set up a mini DV. Uh, because Taps is like the, a lot the of paranormal. The Atlantic Paranormal uh, Society. Brian Hornis is the um, investigator. He's got character. I gotta tell you that. Yeah, they need to <laughs> tighten the screws on it. This is where they saw a shutter, a shadow. They had the window open during winter time. It was cold. It got them in cold because they're all wearing coats and stuff. Jason Hawes has got a t-shirt on saying the Atlantic Paranormal Society. Advertising himself. We're in a concert hall. Wanting iron to the second night of investigation. 
Thirsty. Cold outside. Brought you cracker. Cold weather outside is frightful. And there's ghosts inside that they think is delightful. I live here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I've searched a lot of cemeteries in the area. Um, like I said, we'll do a cemetery uh, investigation during the next recording here. I'll describe to you what I what I've what I'm going to do what I've, uh, during the investigation. What you may hear, I'll record. I'll record because because Jack Nicholson was in The Shining and uh, Jason Hawes found a um, a, night, a, a hatchet. He found a hatchet laying on the floor. I guess from the in the concert hall all places and they'll pretend to, he'll pretend to be the guy in the shiny point point Jack one. Nicholson his character what's this what imagine some kind of ventilation in uh, right this thing is giving us like a see 11 point oh my God. 6 boy there's and a lot a lot of EMF uh, like seven ghosts standing right next to us yeah that's how big it is 53 53 point that's Holy something under here He's gonna go down. Yeah, he's going down in the basement. He'll find that it's the entire power room for the uh, for the entire hotel. It's huge. Yeah. Oh, it's all the electrical box. No wonder it's giving off heat. Hello. Hey, man. I found out what that that sauce is. It's the electrical. It's the electrical uh, room for the whole hotel. Like power huge. It's a huge conduits going every which direction. Exactly what it is now. Wire going across the floor, up up through all all the uh, rafters, everything, everywhere. Earlier that morning, I had heard my closet door open and a glass break in my room. So Grant and Jason are going to investigate it. They're going to try to debunk it. In other words, slam it. Billiard room. Four hours into the investigation. Ghost Hunter Season 2, Episode 22, The Stanley Hotel. Creator of the Stanley Steamer. Hotel's name. Probably sold a bunch of And it runs on, that ran on um, hot water. Like, like heating up uh, an old boiler or something. Would have been unique to see that, you know, evolve into whatever, you know, they could do with a car today. All you need would be water to circulate through the engine. <laughs> no gasoline, fossil fuels. Somebody was just standing in that hallway. Excuse me. Sure, I'm positive. Someone was standing right in this hallway. It moved right when you put the flashlight on. We're 20 minutes into recording here. EMF's flat. Is it? This is a special. This is a special. All right, keep an eye on that doorway. All right. A special investigation that they have. They dedicate the entire program to uh, Stanley Hotel. Want to move something? I wish you would have seen that. Can you please give us a sign of your presence? Hopefully, there'll be a knock or something. That's what they asked to do. Or record it on your EVP. You might not hear it right away, but when you analyze it after you after you've done doing it, go slow, go slow. It goes, I am, I am. <clears throat> Monday at one ten in the morning. Can you please give us a sign of your presence? Go slow, go slow. Hey, wait. 
I heard the sound of a door handle jiggling, and thankfully Steve heard like that door. It went to the outside. <coughs> Excuse me now. Undone shows with two apps. Two other apps. I like Anchor FM. Thank you for for publishing my uh, recordings. McGregor room, five hours into the investigation. They're going all around measuring EMF and EVPs. What it is is actually a joke. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Happy The Shining. It's where the where Jack Nicholson busted through the door to get um, his wife, and uh, he got the he got the. <laughs> They joked. It's actual the actual door in the shining. They they must have filmed it there because it's in Colorado. It was. I do want to investigate with you guys. Sure. It was kind of weird. I just investigated with Steve. I was just going to the central command to take a quick little go. All right. It's nice and wonderful temperature outside. Me and Grant were walking over here earlier. Yeah. It's cold. It pretty much blocked out at negative twenty-two. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> you know, me and Brian go way back. He's like a little brother to me. And they're just straightening things out. Okay. Stable. One of the claims over here were uh, people were experiencing a screeching noise. Oh, there we go. That's the only thing I can think of. Just in the concert hall again yeah. at 2.34 a.m. in the morning. There's no glass there, Brian. Okay, just making sure. <laughs> no glass. No glass. Let's see if we can get any more sound. See if they Hello? can hear. Anybody there? So, Jay, I've been back for a while now, so, uh, how do you think I'm doing? I think you've been doing pretty good, bro. Thank you. you know, there's, a, there's still some things you need to work on, and you know that as oh, well no. as I do. I'm still, I'm still working on them, trust me. But, you know, I'll be honest with you, man, every part of me didn't want to see you, didn't want to see you come back. Yeah. But then, this has been, you know, your passion when you've got your head screwed on straight. Yeah, straight it is. I know this is what you love doing. It is. This is... He left and came back again for GHI, which is uh, overseas uh, version of uh, Ghost Hunters. Ghost Hunters International. Hello. I had a little conversation with Jason, and uh, you know, he told me that I was doing a good job, and that I was trying to write my own ship, and it made me feel good that he knew I was trying, and that he wants to still give me a chance to. I don't know if that was a setup or what. You know, to, to introduce Tango into the uh, mix. Because he was a ghost hunter in training. Go in an area if you feel like you need to stop and stop. If not, let's say we all felt that this was different. Room 1302, seven hours in the investigation. I want to watch this because the camera actually caught this. Caught the uh, table move from right to left. I gotta watch that. I just don't. I think I would have trouble relaxing. Grant Wilson is just sitting there. It's also very, very quiet. Can you please make your presence known? They're trying to get an EVP out of it in a picture. I asked the production cameraman 
Kendall if he could use the light from his LCD screen to illuminate the table so I could see what I was doing. Thanks, man. I went over to help Grant with my camera to illuminate him changing the tape because there was This is the key. Wow, the whole table the chair just moved. The whole chair, the chair moved Who's in here with from, us? from left to right. I caught this on camera. And they'll play this for the um, concierge and the comptroller of the uh, hotel. It, it, it hit Grant right in the ribs, right in the rib cage. I could hear the sound of a chair slam against the wall with a lot of force. And I heard Kendall That's what you hear. That, that, that was a uh, table sliding, a chair moving. Out of nowhere. Uh, this is Kendall. He's a ca camera operator. I mean, forcefully. This is something that I've never seen in my life before. Oh my gosh, I tell you this. He was there filming it. And he caught it on camera. I saw it's Ghost Hunter Season 2, uh, Episode 22, if you ever want to see it. It's on Daily Motion. It's called the Stanley Mo Hotel End, which is probably the second version of the uh, investigation. Scared. I did not see it, but I heard it. Tango heard it. We both ran up. And as a relatively new investigator, I'm really, really excited about what we experienced tonight. Yeah, because uh, the more experiences you get, the more you don't have to be a licensed ghost hunter. You don't have to have the education, but you need the experience. Uh, how you get that is, you know, go with a group and get yourself a starter kit, and ghost hunter starter kit, which I have. I have that. That's what I. That's what I learned off of. That's the. That's the stuff I use. I'm, I'm building a, a repertoire of uh, of EB, EVP player and things like that. Ghost listening device. Uh, I've got apps on my uh, phone which I'm recording on right now. They're back in 1302 to see if that if that moves if the table moves. He's telling you a story that he went out to a cemetery and that was his first experience at age 16 of a goat, ghost. That's good, yeah. He had his own paranormal group. That's how they met. I guess they disbanded or just paid him enough to, to join TAPS. And two became best buddies through the entire series. It's a, yeah, he's a believer. <laughs> he didn't believe it before, but he does now. Yeah. The uh, cameraman, he thought it was uh, pretty much uh, foregone conclusion that uh, there was no such thing as ghosts. And he saw that. And, 
and start analyzing it. Because you know, we're working on a limited time. You know, they've only got a couple days to analyze all the footage and get back to us. Now they're sleeping together in a big ass room. Take on DVR at first if you want to make the thermal tape here. So that you take that. Alright, cool. They're gonna they do to they're gonna do the analyzing. So it's really just me and Tango. We're gonna have to analyze, you know, the brunt. They gotta sit uh, through. We got a lot of Miles' camera work. You gotta have patience to do this. You really do. What is it I'm looking for? You see, like uh, the legs in the doorway. Yeah, see it? It's the, the two legs walking by. Right. It's just their shadow, right? Or their reflection? Reflection, yeah. I mean, it's moving at the same time the camera moves, so... Yeah, that's not... That's not paranormal. That's, um... People... People are just walking through. You gotta be a multitasker to do this kind of work. You know, you gotta be... They're, they're checking over things that are on tape, that are on, uh... On sound, on that was the glass. they're playing just, back the glass yeah, that was breaking know, in Jason Hawes' room. I mean, I was like, how how does that happen? He's picking the camera up. This glass actually broke. Glass break. And uh, then he puts the camera in a spot where he's actually able to uh, capture the closet door closing. Tango, yeah, keep your eye on the door. The, the door just closes by itself. Uh, and it doesn't and it doesn't close completely. If it closed completely. Something paranormal just poured it shut. There was nobody there. He took a camera after he woke up, after he heard the, the closet slam. With force. They're finding Stanley Motel, Wednesday, 7.45. TV never shut off, lights didn't shut off, bed didn't make itself. EVPs, we only have one thing we can play for you. Where was it recorded? It was a wireless audio, so it was right outside Ryan's room. Here, let me play it for him. We'll play it for you guys. Well, that goes and everything, so. In my house, yeah. You got an old house, Jim, Grant Wilson. Yeah, I don't know if it's the, the, the boiler bangs. Yeah. We also reviewed the tape of the thermal, where you saw like the legs. This house had a boiler too, but it modernized in 1994. Kind of went into the 20th, well, 20th century when it was put in to end of the end of the century. Right there, man, it, it, it moved. It wasn't. So it's hard to try to see what it could be if there's anything around, like if you see any energy or shadows around it. So there's not really any way to analyze that. It's pretty much just an experience right. that a few of us had. So we have it. Oh, what an experience. Yeah, they thought he had it on camera. Um, we also reviewed uh, your tape, Jay. We're trying to see what created that. Rather what than just last cracking. Right. And there's nothing. So that tape is, is what it is. The tape he's got, I think, is crazy. Yeah. I think it's crazy that so we caught attention. as much as we caught. I'm just trying to figure out crack a glass like that. Just yeah. Blue. You know what I mean? Yeah. He tried to debunk it. And, and I talked to the guy named Tom at the same time. And uh, he told me a couple of interesting things. Um... He was, he, Brian was also a researcher when he first got on with the, uh, the first season. Yeah. yeah, everything from limestone quartz, lead, and water, underground water seems to be present in residual harm. Yeah. I wanted to see what kind of, like what kind of rock was underneath it. 
I think so too. The reveal. Stanley Hotel Thursday, three o'clock PM. Has she just been introduced to the comptroller? This is Bill Ward, the concierge. Nancy Baker, the controller. Experienced a few creepy things of my own, and just wondering if the stories, some of the stories I've heard. I believe she handles a lot of the finances and things to do with um, Grant Wilson's talking, lead investigator, Jason Hawes, who's the owner, who started it, actually. Grant Wilson actually took it over in 2019. Made this one of the, uh, made it return in August. Tighten the screw. And we're doing an investigation where we can describe it word for word. We won't have no Jason Hawes or. I'll be your total narrator. We did a lot of research on the Stanley Hotel. I just do this because it gives you a background of what's going on. It's like we're on with it, along with the investigation with Grant and uh, Jason. The chair moved backwards, the table moved forward, toward. Witnessing everything. And so forth. One of my investigators decided to put a camera in my room. We we caught some strange things. So I watch this. It's it's the It's five thirty. I'm figuring I'm gonna stay asleep. Five thirty in the morning. He's sleeping because he had a long day investigating. That's where the glass broke. As you can see, I'm still trying to wake up at this time though. I'm not sure what happened. This glass actually broke. The glass broke? Shattered on the ground. Wow. Would you like to hear that one again? Yeah. That's the, that's the sound of a glass breaking. And he wasn't anywhere near it. He turned the other way from the uh, nightstand and it just fell right off the edge of the table. I'm going to show you the door. So he looks inside, got the camera. During the night, you can see it just closed on its own. And it closed tight. When he tried to push it shut, when he tried to debunk it, it wouldn't it wouldn't go tight. I have a I have a door like that myself in my house. My house is about 
90, 96 years old. Anytime you want, it won't do it. I try to slam that door as hard as I can because I'm here to try to solve solve what's going on. But you can use that. That's, that definitely caught my attention because I know that door is here I'd say the place is full of paranormal uh, action. I'm Keith, and I'm bringing you paranormal things. Um, and is carrying it, helping me uh, move along. Uh, and I appreciate everything you're doing. I hope they put this on. My episode on somewhere. We'll do do what we can do to please them. I hope you like hearing what I'm narrating. Ghost Hunters again, season two, episode twenty-two, the Stanley Hotel. Going on here, and that, that that's about it. Just let you to hear some commentary from Grant Wilson. You know what? When it all comes down to it, this trip to Colorado, Jason Hall. Yeah, it was awesome. We had a blast. We had a blast. Thank you for listening to uh, Ghost Hunters. Uh, um, Season 22, season two, episode 22, and this is my episode three or four right now. And um, thank you for uh, being part of it. And uh, till we meet again, sleep tight.